Well, good evening, all you folks out in HGB Canada land. Thank you for joining Carlos Coffee House again tonight. It is Tuesday, where I come from. No, it isn't. <laughs> Sorry, it's Sunday. <laughs> Anyways, it's going to be a great night. We have a couple of local boys on tonight. We're going to have Jim McCormick on first, who comes out of London, Ontario. He's got some really interesting things to talk to us about, both being a musician and an advocate for local indie artists. So we're going to be talking to Jim in a few minutes. And up after Jim, we're going to have Simon Henley on from Quebec City, Quebec. So you will get to hear Simon correct me on my English um, all the time. It'll be great. And I want to give a shout out to the radio stations that are carrying Carlos Coffee House now. That's MDO Radio, Q108 Kingston, Ontario. Casa Radio is in Ontario. And K-Dub Hit Country. So thank you all for uh, carrying Carlos Coffee House. We sure appreciate it over here at HGB Canada. All right, I'm going to give you a tune here, get you in the mood. This is called a rude mood, not that we're going to be rude to Jim, but uh, it'll get us feeling pretty uh, ramped up and ready to go. Here you go, Stevie Ray Vaughan.
That was uh, the one and only Stevie Ray Vaughan with Rude Mood. Stevie Ron and Double Trouble. Yeah. All right. We're going to give uh, our buddy here a call. You want to call Mr. Jim McCormick? Oh, I'm going to put it on this one, I guess. Hi, Carla. Hi, Jim. How you doing? Good. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you great. How about uh, on your end? Am I coming in okay? Yep. Awesome. Awesome. So thanks for joining me here on Carla's Coffee House. I really appreciate you taking some time for us tonight. So just to give everybody a little bit of background, I was telling them that you're a musician yourself and that you've been doing uh, a lot of work for indie artists to uh, help them promote themselves and, and promoting um, your area and uh, in London and, and the surrounding areas. And tell us a little bit about uh, your own music career first. Um, I started playing drums when I was a kid and uh, I played through the 70s and 80s. Um, in 83... I just, I played so much. I'd done benefits, and I, I'd done the public school Friday night gigs. I did the high school gigs. Um, then I got in the bar scene. We were playing every single weekend. We are out of town. And about 1983, all of a sudden, I was doing a show in Strathroy, and I went, this is no fun anymore. And um, I said to the guys in the band on the Friday night, it was a, it was a, back end so it was like a Thursday Friday Saturday and on a Friday night I said I'll do tomorrow night and then I'm done and they didn't believe me but uh, we did the Saturday night show and then on the Monday of the following week I sold all my gear my drum kit and everything and I never touched drums or sticks for 25 years wow yeah and then um, my wife got me back in her we we would go to a a friend's Christmas party and they'd have a couple acoustic guitars and electronic drum kit and she was always bugging me every year you know get on the drums get on the drums because she had never seen me play and um i always said no 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 and then one year i got kind of lacquered up and i thought <laughs> you know what I, the only way to put this to bed every year is to just do this and you know that'll make her happy and as a joke i said to her i said you know this is like being a heroin addict you get back on the horse and in two weeks I'll be buying a set of drums. And, and she laughed. And so anyways, I, I got on the kit that night and I played. Well, two weeks later I went down to my buddy <laughs> John Malone and I spent $10,000 on a drum kit. And, uh, she was good with it. Like I, I was working at the time I was making great money. And, uh, so yeah, I bought the kit and, and then, December of 2008, I came up with a concept of my band Bender, which is just a cover band. And um, yeah, we've been rolling ever since. We played the great Cup, the 100th anniversary of the Great Cup. We opened for Our Lady Peace. Um, I played bars all over southwestern Ontario, and now I'm now I'm scaling it back. Like I, I don't have the band go out in the winter because. We have a band trailer in the truck and everything, and frozen locks and driving in crazy weather. And I just said to the band this year, I said, you know what? I said, we're going to stop the beginning of December and we'll go back out the end of May. And I'm retired now. And um, and two or three of the people in my band are full-time musicians. So, uh, yeah, it's, you know, um, we do it because we love to do it. I had a stroke about three years ago and I thought, uh-oh. And uh, I never take for granted um, being 
able to play an instrument. And it was funny because before that, you know, you always take it for granted. You know, I got a gig, you go out, you do your show and blah, blah, blah. And then when I had the stroke and I was um, a little screwed up for about eight months and I thought, you know, anything, and this goes for anything in life, um, anything can happen at a given moment and take away something you love. You know, you can get cancer, heart attack, aneurysm, whatever. So enjoy every, and, and it goes outside the boundaries of music. Enjoy, as cliche as it sounds, enjoy every single day because you don't know what's coming tomorrow. Oh, isn't so, that true? Yeah, so it's it's been a good ride. And uh, the $10,000 kit, which is like a Neil Peart size kit, <laughs> I only bring that out once a year now. The rest of the time I just play a five-piece kit because... It's just, it's just a lot of work to set it all up. So, yeah. So that's about it. Wow. That's, you know, Jim, I didn't know that, that I didn't know that you ended up having a stroke there and you, you don't even look like we met uh, first time last year and I would never have guessed you had a stroke. Well, I, I was, I was really fortunate and it sounds kind of funny saying that, um, I run this thing in London called an all stage gym and I was at my... All day, I didn't feel well. Like, I just didn't feel myself. And I went to the gym that night, and I got up, and the kids started playing. And it was a simple ACDC song, and I botched the roll. Uh, it was a cue roll, and I botched it. My guitars looked back like, you dummy. Like, how did you miss that? And I just didn't feel right. And I, I come to come off the stage, and I kind of stumbled. And my bass player said, like, are you all right? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. I just stumbled. And uh, I sat down because I was getting really lightheaded. And I sat down and I looked up at the stage and I had three distinct drum kits. They weren't blurred. They weren't overlapped. It was like three separate drum kits. And I only had one kid on stage. And I was walking around the bar and, and friends said, you're walking like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And my guitarist just came up and said, that's it. You're done. I don't know what's the matter with you, but you're going home. You're something's not right here. So I went to the doctor the next day and, uh, uh, yeah, I had had a stroke and, uh, it didn't debilitate me. Like usually you get a left or right side debilitation. Yeah. Well, all it did was it gave me double and triple vision. So they had to put special lenses inside my glasses. And the hope was, um, that after a few months, my eye, my eyes would, cause I had basically one eye going one way and one eye going the other way. So, wow. so uh, it was a great circus act, but not something you really <laughs> want to do in life. So, yeah, so uh, about eight months later, my eyesight came back, and um, but it was just kind of like a warning shot. It was like, and we all go through this. We all think we're immortal and, you know, nothing can bring us down, and then something like that happens, and you go, oh, man, like there's powers to be that are a lot more stronger than I am, so I better pay attention here. So Now, yeah. you, you said you learned you know, from that experience. And I, I, I get it because when I was 38, I had a heart attack and, uh, yeah. So you just never know. Age doesn't seem to matter. And we all kind of take, like you said, take that for granted. And we become, uh, complacent in our lives sometimes, you know, and then we get the wake up call. Now, since you've had that experience, what have you done in your life to change things for you so that you can, live the way that you want to live to its fullest? Well, like a dummy, I'm still smoking, but I've cut back on my smoking. Like, I like my cigars. Mm-hmm. So, 
Uh, I quit smoking cigarettes because um, that was, I, I found, you know, like you, we're in an industry, you are as well, where you're out with drinking, and even though you can't smoke in bars like you used to in the 70s and 80s, you're drinking, you go outside and have a smoke and blah, blah, blah. So I scale back and I, I drop cigarettes and I still have my cigars. Um, but, it, you know, it's just, we have a gym inside our house in the basement. So I use that a lot now. Uh, you just eat better. You try to get your sleep. Um, it's just, it, it just makes you aware that you're not bulletproof. You know, and like I'm almost 61 here, and it happened. Uh, I was 57 when it happened. So, um, yeah, it was scary. I realized I was very fortunate because I can still do everything in life that I did before it. Um, you know, and like your case, like you know, heart attacks. I've had friends that had heart attacks. Um, you know, friends that phone me up and say, hey, I just got diagnosed with stage four and I never even knew I had it. So as time goes on here, um, it makes you really cognizant that you're not really in control. You can kind of curb it a bit and, and ward it off, but if if the dice come out a certain way and it goes against you, like it's all over. So enjoy every single moment you can. That's just, it's, that's powerful because that's so true. I think that's one of the things that, uh, I mean, it was made most aware when, you know, I was laying in the ambulance, basically dying was that I did, I couldn't wake up. I didn't have control over that and I couldn't make myself no matter how bad I wanted to wake up. I couldn't. And, uh, yeah, yeah it does. It, uh, puts a wrench into the, your plans a little bit, doesn't it? It just, yeah. Like it just scares you. It, yeah. It, 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 it's a, you know, you hear about somebody else, you know, having a heart attack or, or this, that, and the other thing. And then when it happens to you, it's kind of like, whoa, because everybody's favorite cliche is, it's not going to happen to me. <laughs> I think Charlie Major wrote a song called that, uh, It Can't Happen to Me. And <laughs> I think he was on to something for that. Now, I want to talk a little bit, Jim, too, about all stage and what you've done with that, because I think that's incredibly important. And I know you're very passionate about it as well. Yeah. Um, when I retired back in 2012, I, uh, I did it was like, okay, what am I going to do when I grow up now? Um, and a buddy of mine was an executive of Sony and he said, you know, he says, why don't you do something that you love to do? And he says, you have a passion for music. And he said, why don't you, you know, whether it be go work in a music store or, or, or whatever the case may be. And, uh, it was funny, like life is totally about timing. And I would always have my friends text me or send me a Facebook message and they'd be going, who's playing this weekend? And I'm thinking, you know, like you can go on Amazon and find <laughs> a nut and a bolt. Yeah. How come? And, you know, in London here, we have the London Free Press and they list listings, but it's very, very limited. And I thought, you know, like, why isn't there something to tell people where everybody's playing? So... I put together a, a GoDaddy site and um, I started listing events. There was only like five or six or, or a dozen in a week. And uh, and then I really started to drill down into it and I thought, okay, I want to do more here. I want to have bands on this too. So then it became another website. And then we hired a guy um, 
to give us a website and an app. Well, that went south. He he buggered off with five grand. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, and he did it to six or seven businesses here in London. So when that was done, um, we set up auditions, and we ended up with a company called The Branding Firm. And uh, they came up with great concept of uh, a website and um, and an app that you can download for free off Google or off the App Store. And it allowed me to incorporate events and venues, um, bands and MP3s and videos and, and the whole nine yard. So as time went on, um, it really started to catch fire. And the venues were we're totally on board with it because um, in this day and age, it used to be venues did a lot of advertising. They don't have time for that anymore. And and they just, a lot of them can't handle social media. They, they have no clue about it. Mm-hmm. So bands pay me a whole whopping $30 a year. And uh, every single day there's an all stage feature gig. So if you're playing that night and it comes around that it's your turn to be featured, um, it gets put on the website. Um, I put up videos by bands, and if they have MP3s, and the beauty is, I skirt SoCan from the standpoint that's totally above board. Um, not only is it uh, their songs that I can put up there, their own indie songs, but if a cover band sends me the tracks for um, cover songs they do, I can put that up too. It's streamed, so it's nobody can download it. Nobody's making money off of it. Um, and the indie bands, if someone hears their MP3s, they go, wow, you know, like let's say the band was called the Bread Makers. So they go to the site and they hear the MP3s by his indie band called the Bread Makers. Then all they got to do is punch them up on social media. If they want to buy a CD from them or whatever, then they approach the band that way. So... I don't make any money from that aspect of it, and I shouldn't because it's not my it's not my material. Um, I'm just kind of a portal to get it out there, and we get about a quarter of a million hits a month, and um, we won a Jack Richardson Award uh, in 2018 and 2015. I won a won a Music Award, um, so yeah, it's 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 turned out really really well. The little thing I kind of played around with when I first retired has turned into a full-time job and I love it you know lots of people go to their jobs and they just I hated my when I was an iron worker I hated my job I got paid really well but I despised every second I was there mm-hmm. I, can get, I can get up here I can spend 12 hours a day on that computer or my laptop doing all stage work I don't make as much money as when I was a steel worker but I love it I just enjoy it and we've We've invested in um, a really good camera, so what I do is I go out and take pictures of the bands, and uh, a lot of times my pictures show up either as their cover page picture or their profile picture, and uh, I don't charge the bands for it. I just I go out, I do a whole bunch of pictures, they're professionally done, and I throw them on social media, usually Facebook, and I say to the bands, if you wanna use those pictures, knock yourself out, the only thing I ask is you do not remove the Allstate logo, and they're good with that, and away we go. Your pictures are amazing. I just love them. Well, thank you. Thank you. 
it's the camera. It's it's not the long-haired sixty-year-old guy. <laughs> well, he has to have an eye with not and to know what to catch too, though. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, it, it it's all about like when I was coming up, like I said, through the public schools and high schools and that. It wasn't the same camaraderie as there is now. Um, it was really hard to get other bands to help you out or, you know, like a, an older musician to say, hey, you know what, maybe this isn't working for you, you should do this instead. And and that's changed. And I don't want to be, like, when I have Bender gigs, I'll, I'll have a indie act who never gets to play on the big stages open for us, um, and I pay them. And um, if they get their foot in the door, make a few fans, sell a few CDs or merch, or get a gig at the bar because they're good, that's my way of giving back, you know? Um, and I think that's incumbent on all of us who have been in it a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we kind of become, I hate to use this word, but we kind of become mentors, you know? You find somebody that you really like, you like their music, and they're good human beings, and if you can help them out, you do it, you know? So... So that's interesting that you said that, that, you know, you know, just a couple of decades ago, it, it uh, wasn't as, um, I guess, friendly uh, amongst the musicians as it is today. And what do you think's changed that, Jim? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. Is it, is it the evolution of musicians as human beings that they, be, they became less anal about helping other people out? Um, I really don't know the answer. I'm glad it has happened. Um, I know here in London, and I, I can't. I can only speak for London. I can't speak for any place else. But in London, um, we're a huge community, the music, music community. But at the same time, we're very small. Like ninety-eight percent of the people um, get along and help each other out. You'll always, in any walk of life. You always find the 2% that they're into them and they don't want to help anybody and everything else. And everybody knows who they are and they they kind of pull away from those. But the other 98%, there's so many bands here and so many musicians that will help out um, having a band open for a show for them, uh, doing studio work for them, writing and arranging songs. I don't know what what the change was or at what point in time it did happen. But I know back in the seventies when I was playing bars, you know, if you approached a band that was playing at a, at a marquee club and said, Hey, you know, could we open? We'll do it for free. They'd be like, no, no, you know, go away. Find it, find out how to do it yourself. Um, and it seems to be more now that musicians, thank God are kind of like, they're not territorial. It's they realize that if everyone does well, they will do well. That's true. So, yeah, that is absolutely true. Maybe it is. I, I've never heard that point of view before, and I really like that point of view because I like to have hope in the human race and that we are moving ahead and and learning from past mistakes and how things used to be done and finding better ways to do stuff. So I choose to believe that one. <laughs> more so than the social media one but uh now I know I just have to make this little comment before we go Jim I was 
I got to say, when I went to London last spring and I got to meet you all and uh, all the musicians there, I was so impressed that I actually had to move back to Ontario for a while. Well, I'm glad you did. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, and I love it out east. Like, uh, Barb and I have gone out to Halifax, and um, I love it out there. Like, the music scene out there is amazing. Um, Ontario, it's a different thing. It's a different age group that drives music in, say, Halifax as opposed to in Ontario. But um, I'm glad you're back. And you know what you're doing um, with your radio show? I think that's I think that's fantastic because you're giving a doorway to people who might not get the word out there. Um, and they might not be... Because social media is such a... Like, if you, you know yourself, you put up a post and six people post above that and all of a sudden yours is gone. Yes. Like it's way down the page. So in instances like people like yourself, you give a doorway so people can get out to the masses. They can talk about their band. They can talk about their musical experience or what they're going to do or blah, blah, blah. And that's hugely important. So kudos to you. Well, thank you so much, Jim. I appreciate that. I know I do enjoy what I do, and I think it's valuable for everybody involved. So I, I do appreciate that compliment. And I hope I see you this summer sometime. Yes, I hope I see you under different circumstances. And we, you and I both know what we're talking about there. But oh, know, yes. I really enjoy when I When I saw the group of yous almost a year ago, every single one of yous, and I kept friendships with you and, and quite a few of the other people that played. Um, you were all such super people, extremely talented. I was blown away by all of you that night. Um, I enjoyed every single moment of every act that went on that stage. And uh, and like I said, the best part is, and, and this is the one thing about music, no matter how long our careers are, we meet people who are unique special people who are great human beings and if the cards play out right you continue a relationship you may not talk every single day but you continue on a relationship that if you cross paths down the road hey, you know it's it's the handshake or the hug yeah the beer and <laughs> it, yeah and it's you know like if you ever come back to london i'll come out and see and take pictures and we'll have a beer and we'll have some laughs and before you and I met, that wouldn't have been possible between you and me. So that's that's the one major takeaway in this business. Um, a true wealth of what we have is the people, the good people that we meet in life. Absolutely. What a perfect note to end on tonight because that's exactly how I feel about it. Music is, it brings you together. And if, uh, you know, there's, like you said, the small percentage that are... Uh, bottom feeders and that's okay let them continue to bottom feed but the rest will yep. rise to the top yep yep exactly well thank you so much jim how could people get a hold of you now if they want to uh check out some scenes in london ontario uh they can go to the website which is uh allstage.ca um you can download like i said the the app it's on google play for android or for iphones it's at the app store um, I'm on social media, uh, Jim McCormick, uh, it's a picture of my wife 
and I together. And uh, so, yeah, there's, you know, and people can email me at allstageatrogers.com. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. Um, sometimes it's kind of pressing for us old guys to get our head around the new technology and <laughs> stay on top of everything. But, yeah, you can usually find me. But if you want to find out about the events in London, just go to punchupallstage.ca, and they'll throw you right to the website, and you can go through it from there. Awesome. Well, thank you so very much, Jim, for joining us tonight. I hope we uh, get together here maybe in the spring again. And uh, if everything goes well, maybe I'll just uh, remotely bring the radio station and we'll catch your band live. Oh, that would be awesome. I think It's been an absolute pleasure, sweetheart, talking to you. It's great to touch base again. Absolutely. Talk to you soon, Jim. Thanks again. You bet, Carla. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Jim McCormick from London, Ontario. He is a gem of a man, and I'm so glad that uh, I had my opportunity to meet him. Next up, we have got Simon Henley from Quebec City, Quebec, coming up. Going to give you some Simon right now. Simon was on that tour with me last year, and uh, he also was able to meet with Jim. And uh, like Jim said, we all became friends. And uh, even though we're not in touch daily, uh, there's a camaraderie that happens and I'm glad I'm living in this day and age where it's you know uh, not the 70s where Jim was explaining how that was it's today it's a lot better you know we're one great big family and those who don't want to be family they can go buzz off somewhere (laughs) here's childhood dreams by Simon Henley
with Simon Henley with Childhood Dreams. We're going to give Simon a call here just in a moment. I want to tell you a little bit first about what's going to be coming up on Carla's Coffee House, just so that you can be aware. So today is Sunday, and uh, we have no show this Tuesday. I'm taking a little bit more of a break. That's because of a work issue. So this Tuesday, there won't be a show. Um, now we're going to begin again on the 17th of February. We're going to have Still 18. That is Platinum Blonde's front man with his wife and his daughter. They have a new group together called Still 18. He is going to be with me on the show and possibly bring his family with him. So that's the 17th of February. On the 19th, we're going to have the guy that broke HGB Canada's internet. Steve Hickman is going to join us Tuesday night, the 19th. And uh, Steve had gained, garnered the most listeners ever on HGB Canada for a indie artist. So we're going to have him. He's from Indianapolis. Uh, we'll go get him on the show. Then on the 24th, we're going to have uh, another doubleheader. We're going to have Fred Penner from the show. Uh, I think it was called Fred Penner, actually. Um, it was um, uh, on a children's show, let's say, 80s, 90s, and it was very popular. It was kind of like the equivalent, the more modern Mr. Dress-Up kind of thing. And we're going to have my buddy, Terry Ferris from New Brunswick, who is also doing really well on this radio station and uh, people loving his country music. Terry's going to be with us right after or maybe right before. We'll get that figured out, but they're both on the 24th of February. Coming up on the 26th, we're going to have Beth Williams, who is a singer-songwriter herself, also has recordings out and has a show on here, which has moved in time because we're going to be having Beth on at 7 o'clock Eastern Thursday nights, not eight o'clock anymore. We're going down to seven o'clock. Then on March 3rd, we are going to have dun, 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 dun. this is a big one for Carla. Um, because these guys were my absolute, I was in love with these guys as a you know youth growing up. We're going to have Miles Goodwin from April Wine. Miles is just been nominated for some Juno Awards for his blues album. So I think uh, we're going to have him on 7 o'clock Sunday night. He's going to call in. Then on the 10th, we're going to have Molly Johnson, another Juno nominated. Another Juno nominated right after her on the 12th. Exco. So we're still building and still doing some stuff. So you just got to kind of go to the web page, go to our social media, take a check in because it's always changing. It's always rapid. I want to give a shout out to Teresa Sprague and Bev, because these two ladies have, and Connie, have done a lot for HGB Canada. I do this right out of my pocket. It can get very costly at times. It's a lot of time that I put into it, and they are my major sponsors that came on board and helped the station out to keep us on the air, because this was a difficult month um, for me to pull it all out of my pocket. So if you feel like being a sponsor, you can be a one-time sponsor just to help out. You can be a monthly sm sponsor at a lower lower amount of money, you know, if you just want to throw a few bucks because these indie artists really appreciate you and the shows appreciate you and I appreciate you because it's a community effort. It's not one person doing it. Um, it takes a, what is it? A village to raise a radio station. That's what that is. Okay, so now we're going to give Simon a call. We're going to find out what the boy's been up to. And uh, he's got some 
interesting information I think about his band. So let me see here. Simon, Simon, where are you? Simon says, you watch Simon correct my English. We'll tell you that story in just a minute. Yo, Simon, where are you? Ding-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling. Hello. Well, hello, Mr. Simon Henley. How are you tonight, boy? Very good, very good. How about you? <laughs> I'm doing good. Um, we just got done playing Childhood Dreams. Okay. And that's a beautiful instrumental, by the way. Thank you. I think I might put yeah. that on loop and repeat, and that'll I'll get myself to sleep at night. Because it's a very nice song, though. It really is, because it just brings... It takes all the stress right off of you when you're listening to it. It just melts you. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very powerful. Very. Tell us a little bit about how you wrote that song. Did you Was you just noodling around on the guitar and came up with it? Or did... did Tell tell us what the process was. Actually, <clears throat> actually, uh, it was when when my mom died. So it was my my way to, to say goodbye and uh, to grieve. So uh, that's why it's powerful. Wow, I had no idea. Okay. That that's great. I mean, it does. It just it really does. It sends through music itself. It does. It sends a real peace towards. The listener, and I just absolutely love it. So, Simon, um, I gotta say, I, I'm trying to tell people what you do to me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's gonna get dirty on the air tonight. This boy, <laughs> we we toured together last spring, and yeah. so Simon, you basically you teach English as a second language in Quebec City. Is that right? Language, uh, I teach francophones, or yeah, mostly francophones. Okay. I teach francophones. And what's my first language? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> sometimes it's, uh, it's hard to, to, to figure out. Holy frig, man! <laughs> he just. <laughs> this is what I mean. So because he's so kind to me like this and doesn't recognize my kind of English, <laughs> I decided I think I'll manage this guy's music career. <laughs> It is a good decision. We get along really well, and and I think we could get the uh, the what do you call it? The music juices flow in there. Both of our ideas run differently, so it's it's a good compliment. Yeah. yeah. So Simon, you um uh, your song, and I didn't play it tonight because I'm just kind of steering away from it a little bit. But you're well known for the song, Opia, and um, yes. that song was put together and produced uh, with a specific kind of band that you had at the time. Is that correct? Exactly. We, uh, we worked, I worked with uh, the drummer, Dennis, Denny, and uh, Charles William, the bass player, and then, uh, what's your name? I don't see her anymore. Uh, the guitar player, the lead guitar player, Christine Dalfa, Christine from Hell. That's her name. And she's a really good guitar player, and uh, we uh, put this thing together. I had the text, uh, the guitar, and then uh, the rest came, and here's the song. Wow. Yeah, because Opia really did well on the station for a very long time. I think it played on the mm-hmm. station for a year, 
and it wow. would disappear sometimes, and then bang, it would hit the charts again and disappear, and then come yeah. back up and hit the charts. And that yeah. just goes to show that you know a song has staying power when it does that. Um, but you're very diverse in your skills as a writer and as a performer. Um, I've listened to your music, and Opia had that wonderful reggae new world beat to it. And like yep. childhood dreams, like that is so beautifully classical in its sound. And then you do like some harder rock, you've done blues. So you're one of those wonderful musicians that you can't put, you know, put a square peg in a circle hole, you know? <laughs> oh, repeat that. Uh, it's, a, it's an expression I don't know. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'll, ex <laughs> I'll explain that one to you later. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, good. But, um, now you've changed you, you you've changed a little bit in what your focus is. So you have a yep. new band now that you're creating music with. Is that right? Exactly, exactly. Two guys from South America. They're most likely rock and uh, kind of jazzy, kind of bluesy. Uh, we're working on the reggae part because that's not their their first. Um, their first style, but uh, it's gonna work well, work out really well because they like it. They like Opia, they like uh, my style, so and we get along really nicely. It's fun to be together, and we're just starting. Um, so now we're making sure uh, rehearsals are getting put together for the shows in spring and summer. And one is in Montreal, and uh, me and uh, Juan were in Quebec City. Uh, and Day is in Montreal, so uh, can be uh, not complex, but a bit of a challenge. Yeah, definitely, because yeah. they're not very close together, that's for sure. It was about no. two and a half hours between the two cities. That's it, yeah, yeah. So, are do you, uh, he likes to travel. <laughs> Good. That's what you need is somebody that likes to do that traveling. Now, do you? Uh, yeah. you are you going to name the band? Or are you going to, or is it just going to be Simon Henley and his boys? Aha! That's <laughs> the thing. We are under discussion. Um, uh, I don't know uh, where it's going to end, but how it's going to end. But uh, I want to include them. A bit more than what I'm, I was used to with the other musicians. I want them to have. Uh, uh, to, I want them to make decisions, to be creative, to be involved, um, to have responsibilities. Before I did everything: the, the social media, the the booking, uh, publicity, and whatnot. So if we could uh, share the responsibilities and maybe have a, maybe Simon Henley and the muchachos, I don't know. <laughs> uh, or or uh, a brand new name. We talked about it. We're not sure. It's under uh, discussion, so we'll, we'll see. So do you guys have, like, you, you mentioned the type of music that's influenced them and the way that their style goes. How do you see um, it melding in with the kind of music that you're writing now? Like, are, are you reformatting the old music into something new all over again? Like, what are you up to? 
Tell us, Simon. Um, it's going in the same direction. It's a direction where I have multiple styles. It's just that it won't be the exact same thing because uh, I don't want them to recreate what the other musicians used to do. I want them to be creative, to have their own personality, and be part of uh, what we are as uh, a group or uh, me and the musician, or we want to be together. And they are good musicians. They are they are used to playing live in the studio, going into the studio and composing, and uh, they have the, the lifestyle. Are they doing this full-time, or do they have other things that they're doing as well? Oh, yeah, they have day jobs. But maybe one day the day jobs will, will uh, can I say, take a hike? No. <laughs> you can say that, yes. <laughs> I can, okay, good, yeah. Yeah, take a hike. Yeah, I think they, they, they eventually will. It takes time to build something, though, as... Right. You know, anything, right. like, no matter what you're doing. But now, have you guys got yourselves booked anywhere in the near future? Okay, so uh, there's... Hmm, <clears throat> it's too early to talk about it live like this, but we have uh, three or four uh, possible shows and festivals or... Uh, in bars or in uh, yeah festivals and bars, and right now it's it's being processed. So uh, <laughs> if I talk about it and we are taken, good. But if we if I talk about it and we're not taken, then it's uh, it's not so good. So <laughs> as, okay, we won't spread no rumors <laughs> about <solid>. you then. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is um, we are trying our very best. Uh, you and I and Julie Curley to yes. put a show together and mm-hmm. we're all kind of living in different cities. Julie's in Montreal, you're in Quebec City, I'm in Brampton, but we're mm-hmm. working on that um, so that we can kind of take the show on the road again sometime this summer. Yes. So that's yes. going to be fun, don't you think? Oh yeah, it's going to be a blast. A lot of fun. We had a lot of fun last summer, last spring. And it was really cool. We, uh, I think we were like kids <laughs> having fun. <laughs> it was just, uh, just fun and uh, no pressure except uh, uh, the life on the road, which is, which can be, which can, which can have a bit of pressure, but it's not a, it's not a big deal. In this day and age, it's not bad though. There's a Tim Hortons at every corner. Oh, yes. Coffee and donuts. <laughs> Sugar up and caffeine up and you're ready to you're ready to roll, right? That's it. <laughs> so do you do you find a difference? I got to ask you this. And the reason I was leading yeah. into that is, you know, um, do you find a difference playing um, in Quebec and a difference playing in Ontario and what that difference is as a musician? Hmm. Well, Quebec is well. Quebec City is my hometown. Mm-hmm. So, if I play here, I play in front of people I know most of the time, or people who are interested in discovering what I do. But it's not the same the same challenge as if uh, I play Montreal. Then it's not my let's say territory. 
or if I play in Ontario, then it's very different because I have uh, I have all to work for, everything to work for. I have no security, and it, I like it. I like it because I feel maybe more free to 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 say and do whatever I want. And uh, I'm only passing through, so... No commitment there, right? (laughs) Sorry? So there's no commitment there. You know, that is true, Simon, because I find that playing in places that you don't necessarily have to go back to, there is a freedom in that because when you're playing to your hometown or the people that know you, there's a high expectation and you have to try to meet, you know, get better and better and better. And it, it can be very stressful. But I know you were just having a great time in Ontario. And that's why I wanted to ask that because I felt the same way. Like getting out of where I was playing in New Brunswick, it was such a refresher, even though it scared me half the time because, well, my style and your style and Julie's style even um, doesn't really fall into the metal rock style that we were playing in these types of bars. That's it. <laughs> you know? I had my acoustic guitar. Alone or with you, mm-hmm. and with my band, I can I can I can go into into the the rock style and folk rock and folk and jazzy and bluesy and jazz and uh, reggae and stuff. But if I only have my acoustic guitar, then it's going to be um, folk, folk rock, jazzy. I but, still uh, remember carrying your pedal around in my trunk. <laughs> yeah, that was for the Montreal show with the, the musician. Yeah, I still remember that. Just like it was yesterday. <laughs> yeah, still have it. Still have it. But that's true. Like, it depends. Like, like I think, too, it's so hard when um, it, it's costly to take a band with you on a larger tour. Oh, yeah. You can't really, yeah. you, know, you know, do it in this day and age unless you're you're playing a major festival and getting paid very well to do it. Because um, exactly. there's so much cost to traveling. But, I mean, it's fun. And it there I find it inspirational. Um, did you find that you that you wrote a few more songs after like your experience? Did it inspire you at all? Uh, how many songs did I write? Four, maybe. The last one is uh, was last week or two weeks ago, but last summer I wrote at least two or three. It's not four. I was watching you on that tour, and you were really feeding off the energy of the tour. And that was inspiring me because I was watching you, and everywhere you went, you just grabbed the guitar, and it was like, oh, my God, he's having fun. I want to have fun, too. Do you remember when we stopped in Kingston, and you just pulled the guitar out (laughs) in the parking lot, and we just had a show right there. (laughs) Exactly, it was fun, spontaneous, spontaneous. Yes, and that's what I so much loved about going with you and Julie. It was, and you know, the hell with the rest of the tour, we had fun. (laughs) We had fun, and and that's what it was supposed to be, you know. That's it, because otherwise, why do it? Right, because you know what, your audience feels it. If you're not having fun doing what you're doing, and if you don't have anything fresh to bring them because they've had a hard day and they've come to see you lighten their mood, 
I mean, they're going to feel yeah. that. They're they're not going to be excited to see you. But when you that's just it. could bring that to them, that's really what we deliver, is we deliver that escapism, right? Exactly, yeah. Entertainment, dreaming, uh, escaping. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just escaping now. I just went daydreaming away myself. So I'm going to end this interview uh, on a song that I pulled that I want you to explain for us because it's something that you don't really push. This one's called Plugged In on Truth. Can you tell your... (laughs) Yeah, okay, Plugged In on Truth. How about that title, eh? (laughs) I like it. I like like prepositions. Uh, The goal is that no, um, to make it quick, um, I have a cause and I try to push it and explain it every time I can, and that is uh, mental health. And uh, I had to go through certain things to be able to uh, to to have lived it and to be able to explain it and talk about it today. And the song is uh, about being in it, in the situation where you have mental health problems and you actually, uh, well, want to convince. Uh, that That was my... Uh, my my thing. Uh, I wanted to convince or to teach or to promote certain ideas. And I wrote it when I was, uh, let's say, sick. And it's still accurate, but you can uh, see it in different angles. And Plugged In On Truth is trying to convince that you're right and you have a certain, uh, how can I say, uh, it's kind of difficult to explain, but I wanted to convince people about certain things and uh, I was sure that I had the truth in me. So I was plugged in on truth. Okay, so yeah, yeah, I get that. I totally get that. <laughs> so, so in the end, uh, it's a... Uh, kind of a trip, kind of a, something that uh, was related to mental health and I kept it because it's a good song so with power and strength and it has a, a groove and a vibe in it but I wrote it when I was sick that's that's my point and uh, sometimes you know uh, a, lot, a lot of people try to pull things and create things and do things that are kind of not obvious and uh, difficult when they are sick. And sometimes they succeed and sometimes uh, it's, uh, it's not a success. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And you know what? Uh, that's one of the things about music is you can uh, definitely give um, your opinion or your feelings or your empathy, whatever it is that you're giving out there so that other people you know if that's their message that's their message they'll take it if it's not their message they'll move on 
but we have to be authentic and true. So I want to thank you exactly. so much, Simon, for joining me tonight. And we're going to do it again because you're going to be having right. some releases come out this spring. So once we get some gig dates from your new band and we get some release dates getting ready from your new material, we're going to get you back on the show. Great. All right, man. Well, you take you're welcome, and thanks so much for joining Carla's Coffee House tonight. Great. All right. Great. See you soon. See you soon, Simon. That was Simon Henley, and I want to say thank you so much to both of my guests tonight for uh, joining me on Carla's Coffee House. Thank you so much to the new stations that are carrying Carla's Coffee House. Here's a little bit of it before we go out. Good night. Mm.